Go with me to 1 Corinthians, the uh, 12th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And the uh, 18th verse. Now this 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, a lot of people refer to it as the gifts of the Spirit chapter. And it is. But really there's more said in this chapter about the body of Christ than even the gifts. But that's no conflict because the gifts manifest through the body. But let's notice just this particular point here. In verse 12, said, as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. How many bodies are there? Only one. Only one body of Christ. And no matter what nationality you are or what your background is, when you're born again, you become a member, a part of that same one body. The body of Christ is compared to a human body. And the human is a perfect comparison The human body is also created by God. We are, as the psalmist said, fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't the human body amazing? What other word can you use to describe it? Amazing. We haven't begun to discover and understand the workings of the human body. It's amazing. And it is a perfect type. Of the body of Christ. And the thing he's emphasizing. Is that there are many members in this body. And we do. I mean. How many parts do you have? You got all the external parts. And then you got all the internal parts. You got parts you don't even know you got. (laughs) You got parts you have never seen. And really, you'd rather keep it that way, right? (laughs) But how many glad you got your parts and you want to keep your parts? And sometimes, you know, you, long as that part's there and working like it's supposed to, everything's fine and you don't even know you got it. And then if it starts messing up, oh man, you find out what an important, even if it was a small part, what an important part it is. I mean, just kicking your little toe. On the uh, chair leg at night. Can really affect the whole body. Can it? (laughs) Can it? Oh man. The head is alerted. The mouth is going, oh! The other leg has to take all the weight of the body. and, And the hands and all the focus is going to the little toe. And... I mean, all these thousands of parts just change what they were doing and go into a totally different mode because little toe is having a problem. (laughs) Well, this is exactly how the body of Christ is. 
And it's supposed to be. Look at it again. Verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What's the answer? No, it's still part of the body. If the ear shall say, well, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Well, no, it's still part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? What's the answer? If your whole body is one big eye, that's all you are, is one part, one great big glaring eyeball. That wouldn't be very attractive now, would it? And it certainly wouldn't be functional. How are you going to get around without your feet and your legs? How are you going to do anything without your uh, arms and your hands and your fingers? No, you need more than one part. If the whole were hearing, where's the smelling? What's the answer? If the whole body's one big ear, you can't have any smelling. Verse 18, here's our text. But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. Read that verse out loud with me. But now... Has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him? Who set the members? He did. Not you. Not me. Not some committee. He said, and how did He do it? As it pleased the president, the pastor, the governor, your mama? Who? As it has pleased, not even you, as it has pleased Him. Are you a member in the body of Christ? Has God made you a certain kind of a member that fits in a specific place? Was it your choice? No. No. The title of this series is Graces and Places. Graces and places. I'm excited about it too. You know how we do. We launch out by faith and we stay on it until we get somewhere. Right? You understand? I wouldn't have a thing to give you unless the Lord gave it to me. Well, at least it wouldn't be worth listening to. But you're believing God. I'm believing God. And uh, there is just an epidemic in the body of Christ of people looking for their places. Confused. In turmoil. Discouraged. And you talk about bouncing around. We got more bouncing around in the body of Christ than a pinball machine. You know what I'm talking about? Over here, over there, in five churches in the last two years, in as many states, over here, God told me to go here. And then two months later, well, I guess he didn't tell me to go here. God told me to hook up with this. Well, no, I don't like this about them, so I'm leaving. God told me to be a part of this. 
Well, I guess maybe he didn't. How many know the Lord? He is God. He does not change. And he's not changing his mind as often as people are changing what they're doing. There is an incongruency here. There is an inconsistency. When you follow the Lord, there is a consistency and a stability to your life. Phyllis and I have talked about it. We just, we feel for spouses and children who are drug all over the country. Did you hear me? And sometimes the woman's following the man, sometimes the man's following the woman, and Sometimes both of them's following who knows who and and uh, get a wild idea and going to go do this and going to go do that. And, and I mean, just it's just obvious, just one thing after another. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Well, friend, can you place yourself anywhere in the body that it suits you and things go well for you? Is it up to you to decide what part of the body you are and what you do and where you function? And yet, much of the body of Christ is doing just that, aren't they? They are deciding what they want to do, what they want to be, where they want to go, and then they're changing it and changing it. Well, friend, if you are an ear... You will never be a decent nose. I don't care. You can put on nose makeup. Right? You can take smelling lessons. You can get multiple degrees in smelling. But you will still be an ear. Somebody help me out here. Is this right or not? If you're a finger, you're a finger. You will never be a decent toe. Hold up your fingers. Everybody hold up your fingers. How'd you like these on the end of your foot? Huh? How would that work? Man, your shoes would be that long. And how many know these are not made to handle your weight? You know what would be happening? You'd be breaking these all the time. There'd be fractures and stresses and it'd be terrible. Wouldn't it? If you're a finger, you're a finger. You can get degrees in toeology. <laughs> you can join toe clubs. You can go so that all your friends are toes. You only have toe friends. You dress up like a toe. Not have a glove in your house. Only shoes. But help me out. You will still be a finger. And how many know that for a finger trying to be toe... You're only going to frustrate yourself, aren't you? And if you keep trying to be a toe year after year, and you say, God, why won't you help me be a toe? 
You know, it's my heart's desire to be a toe. I'm believing God to be a toe and you're wasting your time. Because it was already decided what you would be. And you're not going to get him to change because you're never going to have a better idea than him. If you're a finger, you need the glory in being a finger. It's okay to admire toes and be thankful for toes and esteem and respect them. But don't compare yourself with them and don't be envious of them. And never try to be one. Right. <laughs> be what you are. <laughs> I know in this day of uh, gender bending. <laughs> and confusion. You know, Brother Hagin's comments I'm about to quote stand out in contrast. But he used to say this all the time. He used to say, a man ought to be a man. He ought to look like a man. He ought to talk like a man. He ought to walk like a man. He ought to dress like a man. He ought to smell like a man. He ought to be a man. Huh? How many believe I would never make a decent lady? (laughs) Me too. So you know what? I'm not going to try I am not even going to look that way and consider it. God made me this way. This is who I am. And not only am I going to tolerate being a man, I'm going to enjoy being a man. If you're a woman, you should never say, well, I wish I was a man. I wish I was born a man. No, God didn't make a mistake. You weren't on the assembly line. And the angels put the wrong spirit. In the body, got the bodies mixed match with the spirit, and you wound up on the end, and one of them said, oops, that was supposed to be a male body. And the other says, I just let it go. Just let it go. (laughs) It was early one Monday. Everybody was tired, you know. (laughs) I know. People are saying this. People are saying this. It is not true. I said, it is not true. People say, well, how do you know? I was born this way. I was born in the wrong body. No way, no how. No. Well, how does that happen? I'll tell you exactly how it happens. When you yield to a wrong spirit, you take on their traits. You become what they are. Did you hear me? You yield to an unclean spirit, you become unclean. You yield to a lying spirit, you become a liar. You yield to these other things, sexual perversion, you become that. Whatever you yield to. But I assure you, God did not make a mistake. And people are so frustrated, they're so confused, they're so vexed, because they're trying to be something that they can never be. No. Accept what you are. Glory in what you are. Be glad about it. Rejoice in God's choice for you. Realize He loves you. He had something good in mind when he made you what you are and he put you in the place that he created for you. There's no accidents. You didn't surprise him. Maybe you surprised your parents, but you didn't surprise him. Oh, no. Has never happened. And from the beginning, he knew you. 
And he has a place for you. And he has a path. A place where you fit. A place where your graces work. How many think it's important that you find out about your graces? And that you find your place? Life is short. No time to waste concerning these things. He said, read it again, verse 18. But now has God set, how many of us? Every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Every one of us all, everybody born again worldwide, including those that are already in heaven, are members in this huge, glorious body of Christ. And every one of us are made unique. We're made for a specific purpose and job and place. I've said this before. You've heard me say it about, you know, parents telling their children, well, honey, you know, you're beautiful or the boy, you're handsome or you're intelligent. You can be anything you want to be when you grow up. You can do anything you want to do when you grow up. If Jesus is your Lord, that is not true. It's not for you to decide and choose what you want to be. That's already been decided for you. It's for you to discover what you were foreordained to be and do and then receive it and pursue it, find it, fill it, and finish it. Glory to God. And don't frustrate yourself all your life chasing stuff that's not for you, trying to be something you're not graced to be and do. You know, think about the frustration just in natural occupations. People at the height of their profession. Let's take a welder who is a master welder. I mean, when they got to have something that's got to hold all this weight and these metals that hardly anybody else can weld, they call him. They call him to the top of the skyscraper. They call him on the multi-megadollar equipment. And he knows or she knows just exactly how to do it. And you take a neurosurgeon who's able to get inside uh, that skull, that brain, and is so, you know, touch the wrong thing, and you destroy this part of their body. What if you swap places with them? You take the neurosurgeon, you put him on top of the skyscraper, and you say, look man, this beam here in this angle has got to hold such and such weight. I mean, it's got to be right. You know, weld that thing right. And he says, what? No, I, I don't know how to weld. What do you mean? There's the welder. Strike it up. Get it. No, I don't know. You don't know how to strike an arc. You don't know how to get it started. No. What are you doing up here then? You're useless. Is he useless? Is he good for nothing? But if that's the only place he ever ever had opportunity to operate, he would feel like it. Wouldn't he? Is it true that he's useless and has no graces and has no abilities? Tell me what's the problem. You've got him out of his place. Okay, let's take the welder and put him in the operating room. Scrub him up real good. Take him in there. They've got the lines drawn on the guy's skull. And the assistant says, which instrument do you want first? And he goes, none of them. 
You want this scalpel? No. Where are you going to start the incision? I'm not. You know what this is? You know where you're going in here? You know what you're going to do here? No, no, no. Well, you're useless. You're taking up space. You're in the way. Is he useless? No. No. What's the problem? Help me out. You just got him out of his place. Put him in his place. And his graces shine. Somebody say glory to God. Can you see where we're going with this? Where I believe the Spirit of the Lord is leading us with this. I'm believing the Spirit of God. For revelation to come. For us to discover our graces. Come on now. And find our places. Hallelujah. If we're already on the right track. That we increase. Get more stable and more fruitful. If we've been out of our place and off track. We get back. We get right. We get in place. On track. Somebody say, so be it, so be it. I'm not just taking up time here. How I many know it's important that you use your faith on this? What I'm saying. You need to be believing God for yourself and for those around you. Say it out loud. We're finding. We're finding. We are discovering. We are discovering. I, am. I am. I will be. In the days to come. Discovering. My graces. And my place. In Jesus' name. It is coming to me. I'll see more. I'll know more. I'll understand more. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Could this make a big difference in your life? Oh, my. My, my, my. Graces and places. Back up to the seventh chapter there of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 7. Here's the first thing that you need to understand. Everyone has been given grace. Every one of us have been given grace, graces, abilities in different areas. Let's define grace for a moment. You know, a lot of times when you talk about grace, it's such a big word. You hear it so much, you can get to thinking, well, I know it because I'm so familiar with it. But no, maybe you're just familiar with hearing about it. What is grace? Some people say unmerited favor. That's true, but it's not the whole truth. Grace is one of the biggest words in the New Testament. It's huge. By grace, you're saved. Grace is many things. It does include the idea, if God gives us grace, or He is gracious to us and with us, then He is showing us favor and kindness. And He's doing something for us, giving us something we did not earn, we don't deserve. Somebody say grace. Grace. But there's more than one side to this. Also the word grace, let me make sure I read it right to you. Some of the words that are translated grace have this definition. Actually, this one you see often, divine influence. Say that out loud. Divine influence. Now, there is the grace of God to you from God. But there's also the grace of God in you, from God. 
He's gracious to you in saving you, forgiving you your sins, filling you with the Spirit, healing your body. That's His grace to you. But He's also put grace, His grace, in you to give you the influence and ability to be and do what He made you to be and do. Hallelujah. This is exciting. This is something beyond you. That makes you the part of the supernatural body of Christ that you are. And this, the variety of grace and graces is so big it's the richness of God is seen. I mean, we're going to see verses that talk about to one this, to another this, to another, and not the same. We're different members, and so we have different graces. And it's sad that so many folk try to be the same. They try to be like each other. And when that's not what they are. It's not who they are. But let's begin by this great truth. Every one of us have been given grace. Not just God has been gracious to us to save us. I'm talking about this side of it. Every one of us, God has put grace in us. Divine influence and ability to be what He called us to be. To do what He called us to do. Hallelujah. And by His grace, you can do it. In your own strength, no, you can't. But by His grace, you can become more than you ever thought you could be. You can do more than you ever thought you could do if you'll learn to depend on the supernatural divine influence and ability God put in you when you were born again. I need to back up. Some graces He puts in us from birth and before. Others He adds to us later when we're born again. Others can be added to you later. Maybe somebody was born again and then filled with the Spirit later. Other graces can be added. Or after years of service, additional grace and greater grace can be added to you. Peter talks about growing in grace. Are you with me so far about grace to or grace in? What are we talking about? We're talking about grace in us. Is there grace in you? Yes, there is. Read these verses with me. We're there in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 7. He said, For I would that all men were even as myself. He's talking about he was graced, not feeling the need to be married. But he said, But every man who? Who? Every man has his proper gift of God. It's not all the same. One after this manner and another after that. Say it out loud. Every man. Every man. Who? Every man. Would that include you? Yes. And the person beside you? Yes. 
and the one behind you or in front of you. Say it out loud. Every man has his proper gift of God. Are they all the same? No. They're different. One after this manner. Another after that. Different. But everybody has some. Thank you, Lord. Would that include you and every man? Go with me to Ephesians, please. The uh, fourth chapter. Ephesians 4. And verse 4. And this will sound familiar to what we just read in 1 Corinthians 12. Ephesians 4, 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us, who? Who? Say it out loud. Every one of us, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Say it out loud, unto every one of us is given grace. See, this is not just talking about Him being gracious with us or to us, but this is something that has been given to us and put in us. Glory. We need to acknowledge it. And we need to esteem it. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but we'll talk more about it. We'll just say it again, do it again. We must value, esteem, be thankful for, make a big deal out of the grace of God that's in others and that's in us. We need to believe the grace is there. And we need to make a big deal out of it. And that's not the same as making a big deal out of yourself. Because you didn't put the grace in you. So you can't take credit for it. This is not something you did. And just because the grace is in you doesn't mean you have any more right to despise it or make little of it than if it was in somebody else. Because the same one that put the grace in them has put the grace in you. Sometimes people will look at other folks that are operating strong in their grace and it's wonderful and good things are happening and the Lord's being glorified and people are being helped and needs are being met. And they, oh, they're amazing, they're wonderful, and don't realize that a similar grace is in the person sitting beside them and they think they're nothing. And the thing is that the grace just hasn't been acknowledged or yielded to are developed in. Because they don't esteem it. And the people around them don't esteem it. And so in that case it's not going to develop. And what is so sad. Is that people. Many people. Go through their entire lives. And live like unsaved people. Only operating. In their little intellect. And in their little abilities. As a human. And how many know that is too limited. When you've got this grace. I mean, oh, this is from God. This is not you. Supernatural grace that enables you to be the part of the supernatural body of Christ that you are. 
Is it important that we identify these graces and esteem them and make a big deal out of them? Have you ever noticed how many times in the New Testament it says grace be to you? Go back and count it sometime. I mean scores and scores and scores. Grace be unto you. Grace of God be unto you. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Grace, grace, grace to you. Why does he keep saying that? Grace to you. Grace to you. Grace to you. Because, friend, what God has called us to be and called us to do, we cannot be and do in our own strength. And unless we learn how to acknowledge this grace and yield to it and let it develop and flourish and be fruitful in our life, we can never be what we're supposed to be. Keep reading. Verse 7, unto every one of us, said out loud, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Say, I have grace. I have grace in me. Grace is in me. Go to another verse here. Go over to uh, Romans 12. We'll look at two more. I want this firmly established. You do know I didn't write these verses, right? Okay. Romans 12. Verse 3, Romans 12, 3, for I say, through the grace given to me, was Paul conscious of the grace in his life? He was all the time. You know, uh, he talks about this, he, about how God was gracious to him. He said, I don't deserve to be called an apostle. He said, because I persecuted the church. And he did, you know, he was involved in the stoning of Stephen, wasn't he? And he tracked down Christians and persecuted them. He said, talking about himself. He said, but, he talking about the other apostles and ministers. He said, I have labored more abundantly than all of them. Now that could sound like bragging, couldn't it? But he added this. He said, yet not I, but the grace of God. The grace of God. See, what he was bragging about wasn't Paul. It was something that God put in Paul. Is this real to us or not? It hasn't been like it needs to be, but that's why we're on it. He said, man, even though after the flesh, naturally, I don't feel like I deserve to be called an apostle. He said, but after I got online here, after I got saved, man, I wound up outworking everybody. Now, how could you say that without being prideful and arrogant? I've outworked everybody. I've labored more abundantly than all the apostles. How can you say something like that without it being arrogance and pride? He said, it wasn't me. And he's not trying to be humble. This is the reality in him. This grace is so real inside him, he knows he's not bragging on himself. This is something God has done. Yet not I, but the grace of God that's in me and on me and with me. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, thank God for the grace of God in me. 
Now, we know He's been gracious to us, but we're talking about His grace in us. Divine influence. Divine ability. The ability of God in us. He said in verse 3, Romans 12, I say through the grace given to me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Did he say, don't think highly of yourself? Read it again. Verse 3, I say through the grace given to me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Did he say don't think highly of yourself? No, he didn't say that. You see how people jump to the wrong conclusions? What do you say? Don't think more highly than you ought to. So apparently you should think highly of yourself. Just don't go beyond what's true. See, pride is not the result of believing good things about yourself. Pride is the result of believing lies about yourself. Are y'all with me? Believing it was you when it wasn't you. Believing you did it when you didn't do it. Taking the credit when you should be giving God the credit. Like Paul was saying, he said, it, yet it wasn't me, it was the grace of God that was in me. How many stand when you say that, you're not taking the credit anymore? Because you didn't put the grace in yourself. It wasn't you working through you, it was God working through you by His grace. Didn't say don't think highly, don't think more highly than He ought to think, but to think soberly, realistically, truthfully, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now keep reading. For as we have many members in one body. Man, we keep hearing this over and over in different books, don't we? And all members have not the same office or place. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing. According to what? The gifts are according to the grace. Having gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now here we see the gift is according to the grace. And the grace gift operates according to the faith. What did I just say? Anybody know? The gift is according to the grace. And what else? The grace gift operates according to your faith. He told uh, the person, let's read it here. He said, whether prophecy. Let's say that's your grace to prophesy. Now, everybody can prophesy. Everybody. But some are graced to prophesy on a different level. And yet, even those that are graced to prophesy on a different level... For instance, you know, any believer that will learn how to pray in tongues and yield to the Spirit can also prophesy in your own bedroom. 
Did you hear me? While you're praying. When you're speaking in tongues, you have divine inspired utterance in an unknown tongue. Well, prophecy is just like that, except it's in a tongue you know. And any believer, I know people uh, don't believe that, but the Bible says you may all prophesy. Didn't it say? Well, then if it said it, that's the way it is. I know millions don't and won't, but it doesn't change the Bible. It's available to all of us. But then there are those, and sometimes these are accompanied in ministry gifts as well, that would prophesy in the services. Prophesy on a different level. See, sometimes you'll have somebody pop up and prophesy, and other people may not know it, but really that was just for them. They really shouldn't have given it out in the public assembly. Not to say it was wrong, but it was just for them. And as you learn these things, you can tell. But then there are also different levels of this, whether it's for the whole church, or for the whole nation, or for the whole body. And how's it going to operate? Let's say you're graced to prophesy. How far are you going to go with this? According to your faith. So as your faith develops, you can access more grace. As your faith develops, you can access more of the grace God has put inside you to do that. This is exciting. Now you can see one reason why a lot of people haven't developed and are not going to develop because they don't even know they have any part to play in any of this. A lot of people don't know they even got grace in them. They think, well, you know, people called to preach. They got grace. Uh, people got anointed to sing. or They got grace. Every one of us. Did you see the scriptures? The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses. We've already seen two or three. Is it true that you have grace in you? Yes. Is it true? Yes. Say it out loud, I have grace in me. Grace is in me. To be my part. Whatever part you are in the body of Christ. If you're a finger, you got finger grace inside you. How many know when God created the body? Every part of the body He created is graced to be that part. There's grace in a finger to be a finger. Isn't it? Grace in a heart to be a heart. Grace, 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 not just grace to exist, but grace to do a job. We're not just born again, just to be born again, just to sit in the pew, just to say hallelujah. We're also made a part that can do a job. And we're graced to do that job. And it's not mental. It's not just part of our mental makeup and physical makeup. It's something God has put in us supernaturally. That makes us what we are. Say it again. I'm graced. I'm graced. I'm graced to be what I am. Glory to God. Keep reading. Our ministry. Let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teaches. On teaching. Or he that exhorts on exhortation. Now, 
You have to go back and pick up the phrase from verse 6 because he's repeating the thought through every one of them. What does it mean? Prophecy, if you're graced to do that, then you're going to prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry according to your proportion of faith. Or teaching according to your proportion of faith. Let's say you're graced to teach. How far can you go into the grace that God has put in you? Well, that's going to be limited according to your faith. I've been doing this for 30-some years now. So I got a little bit of contrast to when I first started. Looking back now, I can identify some of my graces. I am graced to speak. That's my grace. I have others. But that was in me from birth. It was. I mean, at the kindergarten, where the production was, I took a hat and a cane and did Bill Bailey for the audience. (laughs) In elementary school, we were out somewhere in this little meeting, and one of the guys, they were having some kind of election for their little club, and the guy didn't show up. And they said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I'll run. I got up and made a speech, and they all voted me in. (laughs) And as the years went by, it didn't bother me to stand up in front of people or to read or to talk. I could find the words. Now, people might say, well, that's just you, Brother Keith. You can do that. That's where you're wrong. I said, that's where you're wrong. I could not do it. Except for the grace. Sometimes people say, well, other people in the world can do it. Uh Uh-huh. And how do you think they got it? Some graces you receive from birth, you can abuse. You can even prostitute. Did you hear me? You can serve yourself with them. Now, they'll never be what they should be. You can serve the devil with them. There are people in the music business that just mean as the devil. They can write songs without trying. Lyrics come. How many understand? The Lord didn't give them that to glorify the devil with. What are they supposed to be doing with that? Glorifying God. Praising God. Worshiping God. But they're using it to get glory to themselves and to make money. Some graces are in you from birth. Others are added to you at different points in your life. And I suppose there's no limit to how much grace God could put in you. Add to you. If you qualify. When I first started speaking in the ministry though, it was different. Because see, I hadn't done this before. I mean, getting up and rattling off and saying stuff and being funny or witty or whatever, that's one thing. Having some anointing is a totally different thing. And uh, I remember the first little church I preached in. I sweated over it for two weeks. And wrote out every word. I got up behind the pulpit. And I was so concerned I was going to lose my place. That I held my finger on my notes. And I thought, well, I better move from behind the pulpit. And so I put my other finger right here. And walked around and said, didn't I do it, Phyllis? That's exactly what I did. And said, you know. And then uh, and then I came back and I put my finger here, you know. I'm not joking. That's what I did. 
And I pretty much was on that page. Was there more there to get? Oh yeah. Was I going to get it that day? Uh Uh-uh. Why? Because it wasn't in me? No. What was the limiting factor? My faith. The Lord's uh, graced me to do songs. I don't claim to be a a real musician or composer, either one, but he gives me songs in the Spirit. You know, everybody can sing in the Spirit if you would. Some would be mostly for you personally, but others he'd use, uh, (laughs) it's true, he'd use to give out in public. (laughs) It's true. It's just like recording, you know. I mean, some people should, some people shouldn't. But, uh, I know the first time the Lord gave me a song. I mean, I worked on it for weeks and weeks, and it was just a chorus. But that's where my faith was at. And and I remember uh, one of the first times uh, I was able to serve with Brother Kenneth Hagin, you know, in his ministry. And he'd call me up uh, eventually to give out a song. There were sometimes I'd have a phrase for a couple of weeks, and that phrase going over me, and that's all I could do. I'd sing that phrase and sing it over, maybe as a little little course. As the years went by, I stopped holding my place on my notes. Are you listening? Now, I'm not just saying this to draw attention to myself. You understand why I'm talking about this? What's going on? My concern that I'm not going to know what to say, the fear, the insecurity, is being replaced with confidence, faith, in the Spirit of God in me, the grace of God in me, the anointing of God on me, until more and more I would sense there's more there. What is it? My head doesn't have a clue. But I believe I can get to it. How will we get to it? A step at a time. So I take this step. And you know, just like right now, what are you going to do next? I don't know. What's our next point? I don't know. We've already been to three that's not in my notes. The other night, I never read my text. Never touched anything there. The Lord took me a totally different direction. Well, you don't have anything in front of you like that. How are you going to get it out? How are you going to know what to say? What's the appropriate verse what's the appropriate illustrations what's the appropriate way to finish it up well if your faith is weak you'll get scared and you'll say man I can't do this I don't know what's going to come up but if you learn how to rest in him you say it'll be there he'll show me by the time we get there I'll know and so you just keep taking steps and you keep expecting it to come And you keep expecting it to come. You keep expecting to see it. You keep expecting to get it. And as your faith increases, tell me what's going on. You are accessing more of the grace. Oh, can you see this? That's inside you. How far can we go with this? There's no limit. It's as big as God. I'm confident of this. Most people are barely touching the grace that's in them. But now I've been talking about, you know, minister things, preacher things, because that's my call. But this is just a small part 
of the graces in the body of Christ. Listen to this. We're there in Romans 12. Let's read this in the Amplified. Amplified verse 6. Romans 12, 6. Having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities. These are all different words for grace. That differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. He whose gift is prophecy, let him prophesy. How's he going to do it? According to the proportion of his faith. What if his faith is weak? It's going to be weak prophecy. Doesn't mean it's not real. It's just going to be shallow and weak. What if his faith increases? It'll get stronger. Right? It'll get richer. Keep going. Verse 7. He whose gift is what? Practical service. Is there grace for doing what we'd call natural things? In addition to prophesying and preaching and singing songs. Oh, this is the part that the body of Christ has missed. People have just thought, well, you know, I'm not a preacher. I'm, I'm not an anointed singer. I'm not an evangelist. So I'm not anointed. Oh, yes. Yes, you are. You have graces in you. There are many more things that need to be done than preaching and singing. How many things have happened before you heard singing and preaching tonight in this ministry? Hmm? Most of the work you don't see. But it is absolutely necessary and vital. But here's the thing. People say, well, yeah, but that's just natural work. Anybody can do that. Not true. Not true. Not the way it should be done. Not the way it can be done. Not the way it ought to be done. Listen to me, friend. Not only can you preach supernaturally, you can park cars supernaturally. Come on now. You can change diapers supernaturally. I said, what do you mean, Brother Keith? A diaper's a diaper. Oh, no. Oh, no. You can get a word of knowledge while you're touching that baby. Are you listening to me? There is grace to do things. If that's your call, then uh, you can have such grace on you that when nobody can get them calmed down and stop crying, you can. Something about your voice. Something about your touch. Something about the way you come across. And here's the thing is, it's not you. It's the grace in you. Oh, come on, can you see this? Some things you've always been that way, so if you're not watchful, you'll think that's just you. And you'll take credit for being you. But it's not so. It's grace. It's gra- And without it, you couldn't do a thing. But with it, you can be something much more than your flesh and your mind could ever be. So everybody said out loud, I have grace, I have grace in, me in me to be what I am made to be. Glory to God. Do you believe this? Keep reading. That was verse 7. He who teaches, in other words, to his teaching according to his faith. Verse 8. He who exhorts. Is exhorting different from teaching? Yes, it is. Now, with exhorting, we're not talking about definitions of Greek words. We're We're not talking about point one, two, and three. We're not talking about teaching a lesson. What is exhortation? Exhortation is encouragement. Exhortation is inspirational. 
Some people are just extraordinarily up. Hmm? They just, they got extra life about them. And they can talk you up when you feel bad. And they don't have to quote a scripture. They don't have to try to make a point. They just start talking. They just start talking. And it just gets off on you. And next thing you know, you're going, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. There are people in the body of Christ, and there's a bunch of them in this room right now, and a bunch of them watching by the internet. People that are graced to encourage. They may never stand behind the pulpit. They don't need to. Do you know most of the action happens not behind the pulpit? Most of your day, most of your work does not happen in here. Most of your week. So all this stuff that's going on, has God not graced people to be a part and help take care of that? Yes. Daily life? and Yes, yes, yes. Some are graced to exhort, to encourage. How much and how effective and powerful will their exhortation be? According to their faith. First of all, you've got to have enough faith to step out to do it. Then... You got to keep believing. Well, that was good, but I can do better. They were sort of encouraged. I want them really encouraged. (laughs) I mean, at least they weren't depressed, but they sure weren't full of joy. So I got to tap into this stronger and acknowledge you can't do it just by trying hard. You can't do it by just coming up with something in your flesh. But if it's in you by the grace of God. You can believe for it to come out some way, somehow, that it'll help them and encourage them, strengthen them. And no matter how down they were, they leave up. They come in crying, they leave shouting. Now see, we're already into this. If while I'm talking about some of this, if you're thinking, oh yeah, 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 then that's you. Because a lot of people are sitting, sitting around and going, that's nice. Because it ain't their thing. But when you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, 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 this is it. That's you. That's an identification. You're beginning to see something. That's a grace that's in me. I know when uh, I first got to Raymond, Kenneth Hagin Ministries, and the Lord directed me to attend the healing school every day. and and I was there, and they announced they were just having uh, sessions. And uh, Brother Hagin announced that he was going to build a prayer and healing center, another building and a facility, and uh, going to minister to people and train. He said he called them divine healing technicians, how to minister to people in specific ways. You know, like a doctor diagnoses the problem and ministers the correct medicine. Well, God's word is medicine, and you can develop in these kind of things. Well, when he said that. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought, "Mm, glory to God, wouldn't that be it? And I looked around, there were hundreds of people in the room. I thought, well, probably everybody in here feels that same way too. Later on, the Lord told me, no, they didn't. They didn't all feel the same way. Some of them barely registered on them. But I'm sitting there thinking, now that'd just be the most amazing thing in life, to be in the healing school, to be trained. And I was one of the first two. That got to be a part. Well, it wasn't that everybody else felt the same way about it. They didn't. There were a whole lot of people who just thought, well, that's nice. 
and didn't think about it again. And didn't need to because it wasn't their call. But when it hits you and it stirs you and you go, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. What's happening? What's going on? You are identifying one of your areas. Because you wouldn't be that interested if it wasn't something to you. You wouldn't be that excited. And it also needs to help you. Just because you got excited doesn't mean everybody else is supposed to get that excited about it. Doesn't mean they're backslid. Don't go rebuking them and go, well, you should be excited. Well, are you sure they should be? Maybe their grace is in a different area. Watch out. Don't judge them. (laughs) Keep reading. Practical service. Practical, give himself to serving. Verse 7. Teaching to teaching. Verse 8. Exhorting or encouraging to exhortation. He who contributes. Let him do it in simplicity and liberality. You know, I read that and I think about a certain a specific individual that in our life many years ago. Do you know some people are graced to make money? For the purpose should be of putting it into the kingdom of God. I mean, just in the natural. There are people... That seem like they can make money without trying. They make more money accidentally than other people do on purpose. Everything they do, just boom, they make money, 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 hand over fist. God graces people to get in this world system and to make money and to be able to contribute and do things. I knew a guy like that. This guy was wealthy and I mean everything he did just Boom, it went. And he loved God. And because he loved God, he wanted to please him. He felt such a pull to serve God, he assumed that meant he was supposed to be a preacher. Because in his denomination, if you had a call on your life, you were either a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary. If you're called, you had to fit in one of those boxes. Well, he didn't feel like he was a missionary and didn't really feel like he was an evangelist. He assumed maybe he was a pastor. And so he decided he'd be a pastor. Bless his heart. The Lord had told him. Now, this is something he told some of us. He was wealthy. He was making a lot of money. And because of his business, he had to travel a lot. So he's over here, he's over there, a lot of travel. And he said, the Lord told him, do not build a house and settle down. He's got plenty of money. He can live in the best hotels. He can have apartments here and apartments there. And You know, his family can be fine. The Lord told him, don't build a place and settle down. He told us that. But then when he decided he's called, he decided, well, I'll be a pastor. And he decided he'd build a house. He was so frustrated trying to pastor. He just, it just wouldn't work. How many understand we got a finger trying to be a toe here? Can you see this? He got perturbed at God. Why the Lord wouldn't help him trying to pastor. He'd study, 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 and it just frustrated him. Why? 
It's not what he's supposed to be doing. And that big house he built, burnt to the ground. For it was over with, he lost family members. And his marriage. Friend, when you're out of your place, you're out of your grace. And you'll fall on your face. You don't have your protection. You don't have the things you need to give you momentum, to give you any satisfaction or development. Is this serious? And see, the people that he was with in his group denomination, they didn't know anything to tell him except you got a call on your life where you're supposed to be a preacher. Friend, all of us have a call on our life. If to every one of us is given grace, that must mean every one of us has something to do. Well, it's obviously, I mean, how would it work with all of us behind the pulpit tonight? That ain't going to work. Right? We don't need that. But I can't be at your job. I can't be at your school. I can't be in your field. How many of God wants a strong witness in every community, in every area, and it requires more than what you can do? But He's already taken care of it. He's put grace in you. He's put grace in you that enables you to be a light, to be a witness, to be a help, to be a blessing. And you may never stand behind the pulpit, and that's not, most of the body of Christ is not apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That's a relatively small percentage of the body of Christ. And yet, everyone in the body of Christ is an important member, and a called member, and a graced member. Oh, somebody say, I have grace. grace. Say it out loud, I have grace in me. That enables me me to supernaturally supernaturally be what I'm called to be. be. Glory to God. Is this getting in you, friends? Is this stirring you up at all? Keep reading this. Keep reading this. Can you see how these things differ? What should that brother have done instead of trying to be a pastor and frustrate himself? He should have made money, piles of money, and underwrote mission projects and built churches. Come on. He should, that's what he was good at. He enjoyed it. He was grace. But somebody told him, no, nah, if you really got a call on your life, you got to throw all that away and be a preacher. Wasn't true. He wasn't a preacher. He said it himself. It made my heart ache to see him try. He tried hard. He studied, but he wasn't grace to study. He tried to speak, but he wasn't grace to speak. It's sad to see people out of their place. Because some of these, they're good people. They're sincere. They just, they're wrong in what they're trying to do. And I'm understanding you are not going to get God to change. I don't care how bad you feel or how hard you push it. He's not going to say, okay, all right, you want to be a toe? Sure, I'll change. You can be a toe. Not going to happen. Ever. Because you are what you are. Keep reading. Verse 8, he that contributes, let him do it with simplicity and liberality. He who gives aid, there's grace to give aid, to help. You know, sometimes people talk about the helps ministry as though it's some way or another inferior. Do you know who the Holy Spirit is? 
He's the helper. No, friend. When your heart's right, I mean, what am I doing tonight? I'm in the fivefold ministry. I'm the head over this church and ministry. But what am I trying to do right now? Trying to help you. Right? Trying, not, not trying to get you to help me. Trying to help you. And if you get help, what can you do? You can go help somebody else. We all in the helps ministry. If we're doing any real ministry, it's helping somebody. If it ain't helping nobody, what good is it? Glory to God. I know this is a little different, but I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm telling you, this has already begun. And it's going to build in us and build in us. And You know, some of the greatest miracles are not people screaming and running now. Some of the greatest miracles that happen, you can't see them. They happen deep down inside people. Even people close to them may not see it when it happens. But something changes in them. And it sets them on a different course. And they start seeing things differently. And and their life takes a turn. And that causes them to change and become, over a period of years, a completely different person than they were with a completely different life than what they would have had. And when it happened, way back when, uh, at home or in the bed or driving in the car in a church service, the Spirit of God reached down inside them and did a miracle. These kind of things are happening in our church right now, in our services, in these meetings. Somebody say glory to God. God. Say it again. I I have grace grace in me. me. And do you believe like you prayed a few minutes ago that you are finding out about it? See, faith is so important. Don't know. Say, well, man, I don't know. I hope I could. No, no. I will find out. I am finding out. No wishing and wanting. Faith. Faith. (laughs) I'll see it. I'll know it. I'll find it. I'll do it. I'll be it. Sooner than later. Verse 8. He that gives aid, let him do it according to his faith. And superintends. You need a lot of people doing a lot of things. And you need a lot of people over them. Supervising. Now that's. Somebody said, well, I think that's my gift. Yeah. I, I am graced to be the boss man. Uh-huh. Usually the people that are best at it are the ones that don't want to do it. Hmm? The ones that want to be in charge, usually not the ones that need to be. (laughs) But there are people that are graced. Phyllis is graced. She has a grace of supervision and organization like Joseph had back in the book of Genesis. I guarantee you, you can have four trains have a wreck in the same county and Phyllis could sort it out in a day or two. And yet it's not her. Are you with me now? It's not her. It's the grace of God in her. And I'm so glad she's got it. Because I got to fly all over the country and preach grace. (laughs) And if somebody wasn't minding the storm... We'd be in trouble here. Are y'all with me now? 
And I'm understand if I was dealing with a lot of stuff, instead of spending all day studying and waiting on the Lord today, I wouldn't be in near the condition to help you like this. And again, you got the same thing. You got pastors that are doing this. They're running all over town. They cut the grass. They vacuum the carpet and they think they're being humble. But the thing is, they're not spiritually ready when it comes time for them to do their job. Other people could be doing this. Other people that are graced to do this. Other people that are not going to get any reward because they're not doing it. Everybody has a place, has a job, has a grace. Many are doing nothing, just like we talked about earlier. But if you got something, you should be doing something. When we first begin, not long after we begin, that's what the Lord dealt with me about, about our service teams. Did you hear the term? Service. It's the words that we're looking at here that have to do with grace and office and ministry. A lot of people want to talk about their ministry, but the same words where we get our word deacon from, and it has to do with serving. How many of the first deacons didn't hire and fire pastors? They waited tables. Boy, how things have changed. (laughs) Are there people that are anointed? To structure things, organize things, keep things flowing smooth and, and dissolve, you know, stop arguments and fusses before they get started and, and dash in and go, no, no, we'll take care of this and you can do this and you can do that. And is there grace and wisdom to know how to do things, and be on top of things? One of the things that is connected with this grace, the Bible said the Spirit of God, when he's come, he will show you things to come. Now this ability, our ministry from Him, is attached to every one of our graces. An anticipation of what's coming up. We should never be behind. If we learn how to walk with Him and follow Him, whatever our grace is, we can always be ahead of what's coming up. The Lord's given me, we're getting ready to do a trip here that's going to require some extra things. And the Lord has given me three words of knowledge on that trip of things I would never have thought of. And they're issues that could hold you up. They could cause you a problem. Some of the things, the laws, the laws just changed a few months ago. How would you know that? Unless you contacting somebody that keeps up with these kind of things. And the Spirit of God just dealt with me. Check that. Okay, check it. I thought, whoo, glad I checked that. This happened three times already, just in that area. Well, see, that's my grace. That's what I deal with. It would have been legitimate to show up and have a problem and say, well, I didn't know. But if we're operating in more of our grace, we will know. This is not just for preachers. This is for everybody. Who is the Holy Spirit for? Who's the Holy Spirit for? Everybody. Who is this? He will guide you into all truth. Who's that for? He will teach you all things. He'll bring to your remembrance. Who's that for? Who's that for? He'll show you things to come. Who's that for? Everybody. Everybody. People hadn't been paying attention. They hadn't been looking. They hadn't been tapping into it. They've been just relying on their head. He said, He who does acts of mercy, verse 8, is their grace to do acts of mercy. We got teams buzzing around all over the place. Cook food for people clean and visit and take care of is that legitimate ministry you better believe it is 
Visit people in the hospital. Visit people in jail. Visit people. Help people cut their grass when they can't cut their grass. Is that spiritual? That's as spiritual as it gets. And not only is it spiritual, there are people that can do it better than others. They're not preachers. They're not supposed to try to be a preacher. They're graced to do that. But friend, you can become so good at that, people marvel. You can develop so in your grace that people look at you and go, how do you do that? You say, well, man, it it seems so easy for you. And what do you say? It's the grace. It's the grace of God. And that's one way you can you can help identify your graces is what's challenging and laborious for others is easy for you in that area. That's a sign that you're graced in that area. Don't take credit for it. Don't brag and go, man, I'm just smart like that. I can, I've always been a... <laughs> it's grace. I'm telling you, it's grace. So you better give the credit where the credit is due. <laughs> Go to 1 Peter. We'll close with this, I think. 1 Peter 4. You know, in the Old Testament, when they built the uh, tabernacle and then the temple, God anointed men to work with their hands. Didn't he? Two men, Bezalel and Aholiab, were anointed to do what? Not to preach, not to prophesy, not to pray. They were anointed to craft wood and silver and gold? Would the Spirit of God come on somebody and anoint them to work with their hands? Has He changed? He hasn't changed. Oh, how much is available to us that we haven't been tapping into? Whatever your call is, whatever your grace is, you can do it supernaturally where other people just do it struggle to do it in their flesh and the more your faith grows the more you can access that grace you can come up with ways of doing it other people never thought of and they'll look at you and go how how did you do that i mean you're through before they get started and what do you say help me out what do you say Hmm? it's the grace of god it's the grace of god they say oh you're one of them you go you got that right I'm really one of them. One of them believers. 1 Peter 4. We've seen this now in the mouth of what? Three or four witnesses. Here's another one. 1 Peter. 4th chapter. 10th verse. As every man. How many? How many? Every man has received The gift. How many times have you seen this? What's this about four times at least, right? In different different epistles, different places. Every man, every man, every man, every man, every one of us. What should we be getting the idea? There's not a one of us who doesn't have grace to do a job in the body, to be something. Say it again, I have grace. Grace is in me. me. See, the Lord's not just been gracious to you. He's also put grace in you to be and do something. He said, as every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards 
of the manifold grace of God. This sums up what we've been talking about all night. This is it right here. With this gift, what do you do? Get rich. Become famous. Develop into something amazing so people can ooh and ah when you do your thing. What? No, this is to minister to each other. To bring a benefit. To help. To one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Why would he say that? Because you could be a poor steward. You could have this ability in you and never tap it. Just like there are athletes that never develop to their potential. Just like there are amazing minds that never develop. People have natural abilities that it's a shame. It's a waste. They could have been. They should have been. Same thing is true spiritually in the body of Christ. People live. They go to church. They come home. They wash their clothes. They board. They get old. They die. I wonder why they didn't have more fun. And it wasn't God's fault. They had so much more in them than they dared believe. And so many times the ministry wasn't at the place where they could see it and help call for it or teach on it or preach on it. I don't claim to know much about it myself, but I'm believing God. I'm using my faith for us to get further along the road. If we're all settled in this, it's a good first step. You know what I'm talking about? That every one of us has grace in us, supernatural grace that enables us to be something supernatural in the body of Christ. He went on to say, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God, by his grace and faith. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability that God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom the be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. As this grace is manifested, who gets the glory? Who gets the God. Because it's His grace. It's His grace. It's just working through us. Listen to the Amplified. Verse 10. Amplified. As each of you has received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment, Don't you like that? Say it out loud. I I have received received a gift gift. or gifts, gifts. spiritual talents. talents. Did you hear that phrase? Not just natural talents. What? Spiritual talents. And not just endowments or enablements. divine. Divine. Divine endowments, enablements. This is supernatural. Employ it for one another as befits good trustees of God's many-sided grace. Faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor. Man, this is growing in me while I'm talking. How many know we have this treasure in earthen vessels? I hadn't thought of that till just right now. (laughs) We have this treasure 
in earthen vessels. That the glory wouldn't be of us, but of God. Oh, friend, I want this burned in your consciousness as you drive home tonight, as you lay in your bed. I know you see your flesh, you see your wrinkles, you see this, you see that. But I want you to know there's something amazing inside you. In this earthen vessel, there is something like a beautiful, amazing, multi-splendored globe of light. It's the grace of God in you. Some people live and die and never touch it, never tap into it, never develop it. Say, not me, not me, not me. I'm going to find my grace. I'm going to yield to it. I'm going to develop in it. It's going to shine through me. It's going to come up out of me and help people and make a difference in this life. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hoo, 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 hoo. Go to Philemon. I think that's a better one to end on. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. I can see it in my mind's eye. Can you see it? It's like this amazing treasure on the inside. You can't see it because it's encapsulated. In this flesh suit, it's inside your spirit. But how many have some of these kind of things in them? How many? How many? Every one of us. What's in you? We know you're born again. We know the Holy Spirit's in you. But this is talking about, this is different, isn't it? This is specific graces. Specific gifts that enable you to be what you're supposed to be. And they're in every one here. Somebody say they're in me. They're in me right now. Divine enablements. Divine gifts. Treasure in me. Hallelujah. That's not bragging on you. You didn't put it there. He put it there. Thanks be unto God. Philemon. Just one chapter in Philemon. But look at the sixth verse. Verse six. He says that the communication of your faith. There's faith again. Isn't it interesting how the Lord sets us up? What have we been camping on? For weeks before we got here. Well, how do you access your grace that's in you? How do you develop more into it? It's faith, 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 faith. God sets us up, don't you? I mean, he's, he is so smart. He is so, so smart. That the communication of your faith may become effectual by what? By the acknowledging of every Good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Young's literal says the full knowledge of every good thing that is in you. Is it important that we acknowledge these things are in us? Every one of them. 
People have multiple gifts. Multiple graces. And they're not in the same area. And so you got to watch about comparing yourself with somebody else. Don't you? You say, well, man, it's so easy for them to do that. I struggle doing it. Well, that's a sign that your grace could be somewhere else. Don't compare. Don't be envious. Be glad for them. Marvel at their grace. Make a big deal out of their grace. But also, the same one that put grace in them, put grace in you. Make a big deal out of that too. And acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. I'll be honest with you. I hadn't been as strong and done that as well as I should have. Because you think, well, you're bragging on yourself. You're drawing attention to yourself. You're making a deal out of yourself. But if you don't watch it, you'll go to the other side and downplay what's in you then. Well, you know, that, boy, that was great. You know, that's no big deal. What If it's something God did, why are you going to say it's no big deal? Because it happened through you. How many say we need mind renewal on this, don't we? Because you say, oh, you know, I can, I, you know, I do that. I do that all the time and it's no big deal. If it's God supernaturally gracing you to do it and he's doing it through you, you better not him haw and say it's no big deal. <laughs> you better say, yeah, it's the grace of God. <laughs> and I'm so thankful that he helps me to do it. But you know, it's not me. It's him. He helps me. I couldn't find the door in the morning if it wasn't for him. But he helps me. He do, I'll be just as lost as can be and he'll just come to me and I'll know what to do and, and I'll know how to do it and give glory to whom glory is due. But don't belittle the grace just because it's in you. Because it comes from the same source of the grace that's in the people that you respect and hold in high esteem. The grace that's in you is not inferior to the grace that's in anybody that you highly esteem. It comes from the same source. Maybe you haven't developed in it as much as they have. But whose fault is that? Doesn't make it any less. Stand on your feet, everybody. The presence of the Lord is here. Just close your eyes. Minister to Him for a bit. Thank Him for what He's put inside you. Everybody, just begin to lift up your hands. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the, the grace and the gifts that you put in me. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.